Hey friends, it's Ashley. Before we get started, I just wanted to tell you about the Patreon, which I hate talking about and I feel like I want to crawl into my sweater, even bringing it up, but it's an important way that this podcast stays alive. Through big and small donations from listeners, we're able to bring you interesting and relevant stories about the coffee world. You can donate anywhere from a dollar a month to $25, and your donations are what keep this whole project going. We're going to be talking about the Patreon a little bit more in the coming weeks. So if you can, please consider donating by going to patreon.com slash If you've benefited at all from this show, especially if you're in a position of power, I urge you to consider making a donation. Okay, now on to the show. Hey friends, this is Boss Barista. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. At one of my first barista jobs, we were paid in cash. I remember getting envelopes full of money, feeling super rich, and being told that this was okay because the business was new, it didn't matter, or something like that. One week, I worked more than 40 hours, and I remember asking if I would get paid overtime. And my boss said no, because we were paid in cash and given money that was untaxed and saying something that that balanced out any overtime that we would get. Does this sound highly suspicious? It is. And I had no idea how to respond to it. In so many work situations, employees are left vulnerable to things like wage theft, unfair working conditions, and potentially dangerous environments And because it's really unclear to know what your rights are in the workplace and how to stand up for yourself, it's almost impossible to know what to do. So when Ranchilio asked me if I would give a presentation that focused on barista well-being, I jumped at the chance. I thought a lot about the experiences that I had as a barista, especially in the very beginning, and I asked if I could talk about how to be your own advocate, how to stand up for yourself and assert your rights as a barista. And they were stoked, and they said yes. So what you're about to hear is the talk that I gave to the kickoff event for Ranchilio's Ramp Up series. They go around the country, they're going around the country currently giving a series of talks and presentations about barista well-being paired with training on how to fix an espresso machine and extraction. It's an incredible event. Uh, I talk for about 20 minutes or so, and then I invite up two guests, who you'll hear from at the end, And we talk about how to stand up for yourself and ask for the things that you rightfully deserve as an employee. I say this in the beginning of the talk, and I want to say it again before we go on. This isn't some sort of lean-in bullshit or anything that asks you to play by the rules to get what you want. Instead, this is a tool meant to empower people to say, hey, wait a minute, this isn't right, and to find your voice in the workplace. Although I think this can be a good tool for baristas and for employees, I also think this is a good tool for leaders and managers. There's an accompanying slideshow I made, which is up on Instagram, so check that out if you want to see visual assets as well. Before we begin, thank you again to Ranchilio and to the folks in this audience that made this event really special. Okay, now on to the presentation. Hi, 
Hi, everyone. Um, I know some of you. I don't know some of you. Um, but my name is Ashley Rodriguez. I am, or I was, the longtime editor of Barista Magazine online. So if you've read anything on the website, there's like a 50% chance that I wrote it in the last three years. Um, and I also host a podcast called Boss Barista, where we kind of tackle issues around the coffee world, but through what I'm going to generally call a feminist lens. Um, again, that's a very general term. Um, but we talk to people just about like issues that affect them, like wage transparency, or how to interview people and figure out if your boss is going to be a dick or not, or things that baristas don't talk about very much, um, kind of outside of extraction or coffee theory, things like that. Um, and a thing that happens to me a lot um, on Boss Barista on the platform is that I get a lot of DMs from people about workplace issues. Maybe it's something about like, so-and-so is getting paid more than me, or my boss only promotes men in my coffee shop. What do I do? I get about five to seven of these messages a week. So think about that. I get probably one of these messages a day. Um, every time I post something about it, I'll get like 10 messages. And it's kind of heartbreaking. Um, so what I really want to focus on on this talk is how to be your own advocate. Um, because for better or for worse, you're the person who's standing up for yourself. Um, two big things I want to talk about before we talk about advocating for yourself is number one, advocacy looks very different depending on the space that you occupy and what you look like and how people perceive you. So the things that I might tell you if you're like a cishet white dude might be like, well, duh, I do this every day. As a leader, I'm gonna ask you to step outside of that a little bit. Consider where other people around you might be coming from and how it might be more difficult if you occupy a different identity to speak up for yourself, to say like, hey, like this is fucked up, this isn't right, we need to change this. Um, second thing I kind of want to emphasize too is um, I was doing this presentation and I was practicing. I was like in my mirror, like feeling myself. And there was a moment where I was like, is this like this lean in bullshit? Like you guys know Sheryl Sandberg, she's like lean in the idea that like play with the boys, you have to do this or to do that and just kind of like be quiet and make yourself meek. This is not that. Um, this is about you and what you can control, because unfortunately you really can't control your bosses, but you can't control yourself. So I really wanted to give people tools for advocating for themselves at work. So this is a really small screen and I'm gonna read everything out loud. Number one, okay, you're just chilling right there. Um, let's see, let's see if I can make the second one bigger, there we go. This is a really small screen. I don't expect everyone to be able to see it. Um, this is mostly like a reference guide for me, but so I'm gonna read everything out loud on the screen. So you don't have to put your hand up or say anything because maybe your boss is here and you don't wanna like put yourself on blast. Um, but true or false, I have felt uncomfortable talking about my wages at work. Just kind of contemplate that. Uh, true or false, I've had a boss that has forgotten a check-in or promised me a raise that they never delivered on. I see some people even raising their hands are like, yes, that is me. Uh, true or false, I felt unsure of whom to talk about when it comes to harassment at work. That's maybe a little more touchy. Um, true or false, I felt like I didn't know how to stand up to someone in a position of power. So hopefully this is gonna be some talking points about how to do these things. And one of the reasons that I was really passionate about this topic is um, in 2013, I was working behind the bar and it was like that part of winter where it gets like really, really like dark out, like really, really fast. And it was me and this guy, Jay. There was clearly nobody coming in. It was either raining or snowing. Like the weather was awful. And Jay is kind of like looking around like really suspiciously. And I'm like, what's going on? And Jay is like, how much money do you make? 
And I was like, so conditioned to think that I cannot talk about that. And I was like, how dare you ask me? And then I thought about it. I was like, why do I care? So I told him, I was making $13 an hour at the time. He was making 12. And we analyzed it all. We were like, well, we're the same age, even though that shouldn't matter, but that's something that we took into consideration. We had the same amount of experience. He had been a manager at a coffee shop in Kentucky where he had moved from. Pretty much everything lined up for both of us. The only reason I got paid more is because I lived in New York beforehand and I knew what to ask for. Um, and from that point on, Jay and I became like these two silent vigilantes at the coffee shop trying to figure out like who's making more than me, who's making less than me. And it just created this really, really big sense of distrust. So I really wanted to talk about ways that you can feel comfortable talking about wages or any other issues at work. Um, so number one, I'm gonna read everything out loud so don't feel like you have to be able to see this. Um, Self-advocacy is not negative conflict. So I'm already thinking about like how uncomfortable it would feel to go up to your boss and be like, actually, I'm not getting paid as much as everybody else. That's deeply uncomfortable to say because it can feel aggressive. It can feel like you're about to say something super duper uncomfortable to your boss. Um, but self-advocacy is not negative conflict. You have a right to stand up for yourself in every situation. And sometimes that can be perceived as aggressive. So one of the suggestions I have for something like that is to always bring it back to you. Like, hey, I really wanna talk about this. I know that you said that I was gonna get a raise and I just need to be able to like figure out my life for the next six months. Always bring it back to what you're speaking about, which is yourself. Um, again, self-advocacy can feel like, like really, really daunting. And another thing about self-advocacy too, when I'm kind of thinking about this, is this isn't really gonna be like a checklist of things to do as much as it is an awareness of what's happening in front of you. Um, has anyone ever had like that talk with a boss where like, you're told how great you are and how great you are with customers and how your coffee skills are great, but we can't give you a raise right now. And you're like having that conversation and you're feeling good and then you get home and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't get the thing that I wanted. I didn't get the thing that I needed. And I think with self-advocacy, it's a lot more about awareness of like what's happening in front of you and being able to say like, I'm having a conversation with someone. This is a business transaction. I need to be aware of what's happening at all times. So if anything from this conversation, just like self-advocacy is just an awareness of the world around you. Um, I love talking about money. There's more than one slide about money on this one. Um, your wages are important. Um, one big thing that happens to me a lot when I look at the, the DMs I get from Boss Barista is people will be like, I asked for a raise and my boss said that the business isn't doing well enough. And I'm like, what about your job performance? And they're like, they say I'm doing a great job. I'm like, nope, then you deserve a raise. Your wages should be independent of the workspace. If the business is failing, that's not your fault. Obviously there's gonna be some like pushback there, but try to insist that your wages always come back to your job performance and always refer back to that. Say, hey, like, was there something about the work that I was doing that was inadequate? No, then can we maybe talk about my raise again another time? Always carrying it back to your job performance. Um, Two, hold your boss accountable for check-ins. So has anyone like gone to a job interview and they're like, we give out raises at like six months or a year or something like that. They give you kind of like a metric. Put that in your calendar the day that you get hired. Like figure out what day you got hired and then put that in your calendar because your boss will forget. 100% of the time, every time. And if they do forget, if you say like, hey, on, I got hired on March 16th and we said that we were gonna do a check-in in six months and you don't get that raise by September 16th, hold them accountable to that too and insist on back pay. Again, I'm not saying that these all will work. 
But these are things that you can do to advocate for yourself and make sure that you're getting the things that you need. Oh, wages aren't a secret. So we talked about that earlier, and I really want to emphasize this. You are allowed to talk about your wages. You are federally protected to talk about your wages. Who has ever been told something along the lines of, we don't talk about money here? Oh, man, some of you. Okay, some of you. I realized that that's confusing when I told you you didn't have to raise your hands before, and then like I asked you to raise your hands again. Um, but there's no rule saying that you cannot talk about how much money you make. Decide on where you want to be in a year. So if you get hired somewhere and you really want to commit to that place, decide where you want to be on a year and make a plan for yourself. Say to your boss, hey, I really like make, I make like let's say $13 an hour right now. I'd really like to be making $15 an hour in a year from now. What do I need to do to get to that point? Backwards plan. Um, I used to be a middle school math and science teacher, so I feel like a lot of uh, backwards planning and like the jargon from there is from teaching. Um, Caring about your wages doesn't make you less passionate. I feel like there's this like myth of being a barista where it's like you have to struggle and not make any money to like really show your passion for your craft. That is some fucking bullshit. <laughs> that is bullshit. There is not a single business owner who is like, I just really care about the craft of like opening a business and serving coffee. I don't care about the money. No business owner has ever said that, not once, not ever. So make sure that you feel okay in that because I feel like I have felt that way. Asking for money is deeply uncomfortable and it's somehow a sign that no one, no one should ever have to feel that like they care less. Caring about how much money you make does not make you care less about your job. Number four, you and your boss might remember things differently. Um, so you might be like walking this world being like, I want this promotion, I want this raise, I want this. Your boss is probably not thinking about any of those things and that's okay. It's your job to remind them. If you're a leader, this, the way that I like to think about it is that like you're the umbrella, like you're the manager, you're the umbrella, and your baristas are like, like kind of like people kind of hanging out under the umbrella. Your job is to care about all of them, but you might forget about certain things. So it's okay for people to ask, like, hey, remember when we talked about that one time where I was gonna get a raise and then we didn't do that? It's okay for your baristas to remind you. Um, write things down from interviews. Has anyone ever gone to an interview where they're like, okay, base pay is like $10 an hour, but like you make 10 to $12 in tips. And then you get there and you're like, I'm making like five or $6 an hour in tips. Write that shit down. Make sure that you have something that you can refer to because if you have those like written records, you can go back to your boss and be like, hey, I agree to this pay rate because of this. This is the reality. Can we talk about that? Um, this is one of the topics that like, I think you really have to think about where you occupy space and really like where it is safe for you to say something out loud or not. Because again, a lot of these things really depend on like your identity and the way that people perceive you, unfortunately or not, and the way that you feel safe at work. Um, but my general advice is just to say things out loud. If you're not sure of something, if you want to raise, if you want someone to take you seriously, if you want that promotion, say it out loud. Um, has anyone seen that show, uh, Tuca and Birdie? It's like on Netflix now. There's like this one scene where um, I, like I saw it last night and I was like, how do I get a clip of this for this presentation? Um, there's this one scene where Birdie is like, I really want this promotion. And Tuca's like, what are you going to do for it? And she's like, well, I'm the most qualified. And then Tuca goes into this whole like, so you think your boss is going to read your mind, know what you want, know what's going on, and just give you the raise? And she's like, yeah. And then Tuca goes, when has that ever worked for you? Never. 
So people are not going to be able to read your mind. So it's better to say things out loud than not. Um, this is where we get like real serious. If something doesn't seem right at work, document it. Pretty much every time someone asks me for my advice about something that's happening at work, they're like, this bad thing happened to me. And I'm like, where is it documented? And they have no documentation. It doesn't matter how you record something. Just find a way to write it down, record it. Um, some of the suggestions I have are emails. So let's say I have a check-in with my boss and they're like, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're not doing this. Write that down and be like, hey, we had this conversation on whatever day at whatever time. I just wanna make sure that I hit the points that we talked about earlier. So there is a written record of that conversation happening. Right now I'm in just like, a lot of back and forths with people about like, what sort of documentation do you have? Did you email this person? Did you not email them? Was it on the phone? That sucks. I'm sorry that you didn't record that. Um, it's really hard to prove things if there's no written record. You can also journal about these things too. As long as you write it down and date it, that is also a legitimate record that you can represent if you have to report something. Um, we're kind of getting into this area of like what happens if there's a harassment situation. Um, the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Exchange, looks for documentation in these kinds of matters. So showing that you told someone about harassment or showing that you told someone about a raise is really important. Um, asking for a witness. It is totally fine to ask someone to be in the room with you when you're talking to someone that you maybe don't want to talk to. If you're in a company that's big enough, ask for your HR representative to be there. If you don't trust them, which is legit. Always question your HR representatives if you have them. Um, ask for another coworker to be there. Ask for like your partner to be there. Just ask to have someone else there with you so that there is three perspectives as opposed to a he said, she said, he said, they said, anything like that. Um, recording conversations. This is more for people who maybe don't live in Illinois. Illinois is a two-party consent state. So that means if you're consenting to be recorded, you have to get like everybody consenting. So I hope that you all consent to be on this recording. If not, shh. Um, but there are 36 states and when you only need one person to consent to being recorded and you can record conversations like that. Um, unfortunately, Illinois is a two-party consent state, so don't record a conversation unless you ask. But ask. If you're like, hey, I just wanna make sure that this is on the record, bring your phone. Your phone has a pretty powerful recorder. I've recorded a number of things for my podcast on my phone um, and it's totally acceptable quality. So. Ask if you can record something. Six, it's important to do pro dev on your soft skills. So this is a really great example of that. We did all this pro dev professional development about extraction, about how to use a machine, but it's also really important to do pro dev on the intangible stuff. How to talk to a boss, how to ask for a raise. Um, I cannot emphasize how much I love the Harvard Business Review. Um, really great website. It is something that costs money to actually subscribe to, but you can also do that thing where you like, open a new tab that's like a different IP or something. I don't know how the internet works, uh, but that's how I read all these for free because you get like three free ones every month. Um, Equal Opportunity Employment Commission, um, that's a really great website to figure out issues of harassment. Um, I'm just gonna really define harassment very loosely. This is just, again, not um, the language of the EEOC, but harassment's defined in the workplace as something bad happening to you based on some sort of discriminatory like practice, like if you're harassed based on like gender, race, anything like that. And when you tell somebody at work and they don't solve it, that's when your employer is liable. So that's why recording things is really, really important. You usually have to show that you told somebody, hey, this is happening to me, and then they did nothing about it. 
Um, Department of Labor and state and local laws are really important. Um, did you guys know that Illinois has a like seven day rest rule? Like for every, like you have to take one day off per week. No, I'm like, everyone looks like kind of confused. Um, there are certain states where working 40 hours is overtime. There are certain states where working eight hours in a day is overtime. So really knowing what your laws are, are really important. Um, and also just knowing like what employment looks like. I got a woman who emailed me recently and she was like, I'm classified as a 1099. Do you guys know what that means? Yeah. So as a barista and I was like, oh, that's not right. And she was like, yeah. And we get paid through Zelle payments. And I was like, cool. You know what? Your employer is committing tax fraud. <laughs> so the IRS is not a thing I thought I would ever have to put on a slide like this, but the IRS is also a very good resource. Um, so we talked about a lot of different things that you can do as a barista, someone who's kind of like working their way through their career. But what if you're a leader? How do you look at all of these things and think, how do I make things safe for my employees if I'm in charge? Um, the biggest thing about self-advocacy and what I get from leaders a lot is that when baristas advocate for themselves, do not take it personally. That is like the number one thing that I think happens to a lot of managers is that your barista tells you that they need something and you're like, wait, I didn't create this perfect environment for you to thrive and be great. Like, what the fuck? You're wrong. Um, that happens a lot. I get a lot of managers who are like upset with their staff for speaking up and I'm like, what are you really upset about? It's that you failed, and that's okay. It's okay to fail as long as you self-correct. Like, this is just obvious. Like, make it okay for your baristas to talk about how much money they make. This is where I'm gonna make like a soft pitch for a wage transparent system. Um, wage transparency basically just says that like everybody knows what everybody makes and everyone knows to what to expect in terms of wage uh, increases. So I worked at this one cafe where everybody started at the same amount they started at $13 an hour. Every six months, they got a 50 cent increase. And the amount of like animosity that removed from the group was so freeing. And it also made it really easy as a manager to anticipate labor increases. I was able to plan out the whole year just based on like, okay, I know how much everybody's gonna make at every increment. Also, this removes any issues with discrimination as well. Not every, there's a lot of issues outside of waste transparency, but you don't have to worry about, am I paying this person more because I think they're more like me? Or am I paying this person more because I do think they're more talented? Just let your baristas talk about their wages. Um, you and your boss might see and remember things differently. I'm gonna go back to that for leaders. You have to remember that your barista's priorities are not your own. You might be worried about these kind of like big picture things and your baristas are worried about making rent making sure that they're moving forward in their careers. And as a leader, you have to be concerned with those things too. Um, I think for the most part, I know when I first started as a manager, I was like just a barista and then like the manager position kind of just like opened up and I stepped into it and I sucked at it so hard. I like worked every day. I was like angry. I took things personally. Um, and then the Harvard Business Review, honestly, like completely changed my perspective on management. Um, so remember that management is also a skill. It's not something that you just step into. And it's something that in the coffee industry, we're pretty ill-equipped to teach people, honestly. Um, I don't know what the solution to that is. Hopefully projects like this are sort of the solution to that. But remember that management is also a skill you have to practice. So looking at these things from a managerial perspective, from a leadership perspective is also really important. Um, 
So these were some of the messages I like put out on my social media that I'm doing this presentation. What are the things that people care about? And a lot of it had to do with wages. How do I ask for a raise? How do I advocate for myself without making my bosses angry? And it's all just going back to you, making the case for yourself. Um, these are not like easy things to do, and I understand that. But I hope that you leave this conversation with just a little more confidence in yourself. You are valuable. People need you. You deserve to be happy at work. And if anybody tells you otherwise, then fuck them. <laughs> um, so thanks for listening to me ramble about self-advocacy. I hope that you feel at least a little bit empowered to speak up for yourselves at work. Um, we're going to talk to two people that I really admire in the coffee industry. Um, so the first person I'm going to bring up is Melissa Stinson. She operates a coffee brand called Everybody's Busy. And when I first started talking to Melissa just about like how she started her business, I was just like, shit, she fucking like went for it. Um, so without further ado, Melissa Stinson. Wherever you want to sit. Hey, gang. Melissa, how are you? <laughs> well, tell us about how you got into the coffee industry. I'll cut you off if you talk too much. Uh, <laughs> which I'll do. I really, I don't even know, I guess I put myself into it. I come from the TV and film world, so coffee is like a really, it's a tool. And my treat to the crew or sometimes the cast or the PAs or whatever would be just to go get coffee for them, but not like shit coffee, which you get at craft services. So, how do I explain it? I hated, you know what, I won't say I hated it. I wasn't happy doing what I was doing, which was I worked in the wardrobe department, did it for 10 years, did it here, did, did it in New York, came back home. And I just didn't like it and I didn't really know how to go to the next level for myself, my personal self. Um, so anyway, like I said, it was a lot of different coffees coming up. I was living in New York, it was 2010, and I still couldn't find really good coffee in New York, but it was better than, like I said, poo-poo coffee, um, <laughs> which is not really good for your body. And I kind of stumbled upon this place in Bed-Stuy called Anchor Coffee, husband and wife team, and they had this brand, they were using this brand called Parlor Coffee. I don't know if I use any in, familiar with it. Yeah, okay. So Brooklyn Navy Yard, whatever. And I kind of started going back there every day, walking and getting a cup of coffee. And then I eventually bought a grinder and yada, yada, yada. And I kind of decided that, I'm a little nervous because I don't like to speak in front of people, but forgive me. You're doing a great job. Thanks. So I kind of decided, you know what? I always wanted my own thing, whether it was making merchandise or creative directing or whatever the case was, but how could I draw people in and what's really important? First thing in the morning, water, coffee, juice, something in your stomach. So I said, you know what, why not coffee? Because I already get it for people anyway. That's like my treat. So that kind of inspired that whole thing. I decided to move back to Chicago and basically pursue this. I didn't know what this was gonna look like. I just knew it involved good coffee, good equipment, good design, fabulous music, and this, this 
space that I didn't know what it looked like, but I know it didn't exist here. Um, so you like you went for it, like you, yeah. With like, <laughs> it seems like without like too much of a plan too. No, I don't plan. <laughs> which is yeah, I don't plan. I I basically just jumped off a cliff. So how do you keep yourself motivated as like a solo business owner? <laughs> it's very difficult. I'm sure because I mean I'm not making any. I'm, of course, I would like to make some money, but it's hard because I, how do you, how would you explain it? It's hard. It's hard. But my sanity is my reward, if that makes any sense to anybody. I'd rather be doing something or trying something new, trying to fulfill this creative space, um, that's kind of what keeps me going. And then I see that there's other people who are looking for that too. They just don't know how to, uh, what would you call it? Find it, pursue yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, Chicago's a very hard town. I'm from Chicago, from the south side of Chicago. It's very, it's not my favorite city. Um, it's, a, it's a hard town. It's, it's, you know, it's like if you have a small business or a small idea, unless you are in bed with somebody, it's really fucking hard. Um, and it didn't take me to start a business to know that. I just, I have friends that have businesses, but this is a hard town. So I really don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm just doing it. And, uh, you know, I, it's kind of like if you build it, it, you know, it's a field of dreams. If you build it, eventually they will come. Because I'm, I'm not the only person that feels this way. Right. There's other people. It's just like, you need somebody to spearhead it. I've, I mean, I think most people have felt that way. That like, why am I doing this? Or like, how do I keep going? I don't know. Yeah. I don't, so yeah. can you talk about your brand, about everybody's busy? Because I think that was like the first thing that attracted me to you was this like, you're almost becoming like a prank on everybody, I would say. Well, the thing is, nobody's really busy. At the end of the day, people do what the fuck they want to do. Um, and that's what anything... You know, if somebody says, hey, I can call you back, it's always excuses, but you do what you want to do because you have this thing in your hand all the time. So you choose, eh, I don't want to, eh, that's okay, I'll get to them. So everybody's busy is really kind of my sarcastic way of saying, you're not really busy. You just use that as an excuse. I mean, you can be busy, but what's really busy? Really. You do what you want to do. What's really busy? But also, too, it's a play on... Um, I'm a Seinfeld fanatic, and so there's, like I explained in the podcast, there's a scene where George Costanza is walking down the street, and he runs into John Lovitz, and he, basically, I guess John Lovitz didn't tell him either he had cancer or didn't have cancer, whatever. So George basically says, you yeah, know, everybody's so busy, and they're not. It's just, I thought it'd be funny to have a space, and it's not just, like, I don't have a coffee, it's not a cafe, it's a coffee component. Um, with, I don't know, how would you explain it? Like a creative a, studio slash... Yeah, I would call it like a... I want it to be... I, I feel like I know what the, it is in the future because we talk about the, the yeah. Japanese hi-fi once. Yeah. Um, but I would say it's like a, yeah, space to be like creative and to like put ideas out there. And and also too, like Chicago has a lot of creative people. It's, it's bore a lot of musicians and artists and writers and different things. But unlike a New York... It doesn't, we don't really promote that here. It's like a secret. Now it's maybe a little bit more, but 
it's kind of I wanted a place too where people who are creatives in some format have a place to go and sort of just put down the phone, put down the computer. Don't don't be busy in my space. Actually listen. Like the other thing is coffee, but music is first. That's more my focus. But the coffee component is important. I love talking to you. You're just, it just, I just, every now and then I think about like, am I actually busy and like prioritizing myself? Cause I think it's really easy to not put myself first mm-hmm. and put like the noise out there and be like, oh, I have to do all these things. But like, am I really busy with this? No, I need to like put my shit out first. Yeah. So you do. You do. Th- yeah. So thank you for, for giving us some perspectives on that. Thanks. I'm going to have you trade. Well, we're, let's bring Ari out at the same time. Let's all be, all, all be on stage together. I'm going to admit something kind of embarrassing right now is that Ari, I've actually never heard your name said out loud and I'm like really terrible at reading words. I don't know. Yeah. Your last name. Sofiakis. So Ari Sofiakis works for four letter word. I actually worked with her when I worked at four letter word and I'm going to bring her up on stage now. Woo. Woo. Yeah. You can sit on this one. You can sit. I want to stand now. Um, Ari, how did you get involved in coffee? Um, I got involved in coffee. I was working for a hospitality group, and I ended up assisting the owner. Um, And he asked, he went to Japan for a few months, and I had nothing to do. So he asked me to learn how to do coffee and then help open up a shop with... Okay. (laughs) um, Yeah. So it was, but it was with um, somebody who was previously my boss, and then I became his boss. So we had like a pretty fun relationship starting it together because we kind of would bump heads of like who was in charge. So how did you navigate that? How did you navigate having someone like kind of tell you what to do, but also having this thing that you're trying to start? I think feeling comfortable with my ability to have something to say and like a way to participate. And when I started working as a barista in the shop and getting to know the community, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And it was never about being like the best barista or making the best drinks, but more about having a touch on the community. And I feel like he didn't have that as much. So he would tell me like, you're bad at coffee. And I'd be like, you're bad at people skills. And like, we were (laughs) able to like create a banter that was productive. How were you able to assess that you were good with people? I mean, that might be a little bit obvious, but I think that something that I see people struggle with is knowing what their skill set is in a really Mm -hmm. tangible way. Um, I still struggle with feeling like I'm good with people. I guess I mostly try and feel things out intuitively and then understand, like, what my relationship to that person can be. And it's not always that, like, I have the right thing to say or I have the answer, but just, like, kind of listening a little bit and... People, I think, love talking to baristas, so it makes it a comfortable place. So looking at four-letter word a little bit, because I, when I was working with you there, it was like you were like a jack-of-all-trades. Like you did so much, especially as the business was growing. So how did you navigate a growing business and finding your place there? Well, I think moving on from the first coffee shop where I was, um, I was it was really important to me to find somebody who I respected and wanted to work for. So I think having the ability to create a friendship with the person who is in charge of you allows you to like navigate doing many things at once because you have the trust of them and then you can also go to them as like, how do I do this? And it's not a mistake if I can't. Does that make sense? No, that totally makes <laughs> sense. Um, I think even the idea of like looking into who runs a coffee shop or who are the leaders of a coffee shop is still something that like 
we kind of know in our heads, but we don't actually do actively. Because mm-hmm. um, that was something that I did when I first saw that four-letter word was opening, too. I was like, I know Rhea. I know, like, so many things about her in the city. Like, this is a place I want to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and even taking that proactive step to be like, this is a place I want to work. Let me pursue that is really, really monumental as opposed to, like, just waiting for, like, a Craigslist ad to come out or something yeah, like that. Have you guys, like, I know Rhea's right here, so this is a fun question to ask, but have you guys ever had moments where you have had conflict, and, like, how do you navigate that, like... Yeah, definitely. So how have you been able to navigate that, especially because you're not the owner? Like, how do you say, like, wait, hold on? I think I'm pretty good at saying how I feel. So (laughs) even when not everyone wants to hear it, I'm like, I feel sad, or I feel upset, and then we have a conversation, and I think being in touch with myself and feeling grounded in that has like enabled me to be confident in saying the hard things and because I chose somebody to work for it I'm not just saying this because you're here um Rhea could you leave for a while (laughs) (laughs) um it's helped me be more confident in speaking up for myself because like me being there was also a choice and I chose that position and to like work in the place that I did so it allowed me to feel more comfortable in having conflict and speaking up do you have any advice for baristas who are maybe feeling a little lost at their jobs or feeling like they can't speak up for themselves? Part of it, I think, is knowing that it's going to change even when it's hard and not really knowing what you're going to do. And having someone to talk to, I think, is really important is to like learn to like stick up for yourself and know you're doing a good job. Cool. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for talking to me, both of you, and thanks for all of you for listening. Hopefully... Um, you got something out of this, and if not, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but if one person did, then, you know, fuck that. I, I'd like good for them. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Woo! Woo! Boss Barista is made by me, Ashley Rodriguez, in collaboration with Good Beer Hunting which is an industry-leading design studio, editorial platform, and podcast examining all the ways we look at the things that we eat and drink. You can check out more at goodbeerhunting.com. Seriously, their stories are incredible. My favorite series right now is the Humanity and Hospitality series that they've been running for the past couple of months, examining different ways that we look at people in the service industry. Special thanks to Jesse Raub and Jordan Stalling. Also special thanks to our music contributors, the band Lost in the Sun. You've made this podcast sound incredible. I'm just looking for a better day.